Good morning, family. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Thanks for joining me on Easter Sunday. For the church, every Sunday is a mini Easter because each and every Sunday we celebrate our risen Lord. But today is the day of resurrection. This day is the high point of our faith. We have journeyed through the long season of Lent. And last Sunday we shouted, Hosanna, as Jesus entered Jerusalem. On Friday, we gathered at the foot of the cross to consider Jesus' mortality as well as our own. But today, today, we celebrate the empty tomb. Today, we celebrate life and victory over death. In the Christian faith, we have some statements that articulate and encapsulate what it means to be a Christ follower. We call them creeds. One of those creeds is called the Nicene Creed. And this is what it says about what we believe about Jesus. That Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. God from God, light from light, true God from true God. That he came down from heaven and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. That's why we're here. That is why we celebrate Easter. Well, this morning, I'd like to look again at the gospel according to Mark. Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. Hear the word of the Lord. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so they could go and anoint Jesus' dead body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they came to the tomb. They were saying to each other, Who's going to roll the stone away from the entrance for us? When they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, and it was a very large stone. Going into the tomb, they saw a young man in a white robe seated on the right side, and they were startled. But he said to them, Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He isn't here. Look, here's the place where they laid him. Go, tell his disciples, especially Peter, that he is going ahead of you into Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you. Overcome with terror and dread, they fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone, because they were afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One hot summer day, about 17 or 18 years ago, I was working on one of our cars out in the driveway next to our home. It wasn't going so well when my daughter came skipping by. There I was, hot, sweaty, and exasperated, leaning over into the back of the car when she sidled up next to me and asked, What you doing, Daddy? I said something like, I'm trying to fix this stupid car, but I don't think I can. Yes, you can, Daddy, she replied. No, honey, I said, I don't think I can fix it. She thought for a moment or two and then said, That's okay, Daddy. God can fix it. And with that, she went on her merry way. I think it's good for us to remember those four simple words. God can fix it especially when we can't. And maybe that's as good a message as any for us at Easter, isn't it? 
God can fix it. All throughout history, there are times and events in which God has fixed what we could not. Way back in the book of Ezekiel, the prophet had a vision of the valley of dry bones. Israel, it seems, was decimated. Figuratively, there was nothing left but dried, bleached out bones. God asked Ezekiel, do you think these bones can live? Now, Ezekiel knew a trick question when he heard one. Only you know, Lord, Ezekiel answered. So do you know what God did? He reanimated the bones. He made them come to life. There was a great noise, then a great quaking, and the bones came together, bone by bone. Suddenly there were sinews and ligaments and muscles on them, and then they were covered over with skin. That's when, according to Ezekiel, God blew life into those once dead bones. It had to be a fascinating vision, and it's a poignant reminder that God can restore us from our lostness and separation from Him. In other words, God can fix it. Back even further in the book of Exodus, after the people of Israel were set free from Egyptian slavery, Pharaoh changed his mind and sent his army to round up the Israelites and bring them all back. Just when the Egyptians were about to capture his people and drag them back to slavery, God parted the waters of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel walked across on dry ground. And as soon as God's people stepped up on the opposite shore, the waters returned, and God's people were finally, truly free. It's another poignant reminder that God can deliver us from cruelty and oppression and abuse. Or, if you want to sound profound, you could say, God can fix it. Fifty days from today, we'll mark the day of Pentecost. The risen Jesus returned, ascended, we say, to the Father, and he left his followers behind and feeling somewhat bewildered and alone. Now what were they going to do? Jesus told them to go to Jerusalem and to wait. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came in power. He filled the room and he filled the disciples, and they would never be separated from Jesus ever again. That Pentecost experience reminds us that God can move us beyond despair and hopelessness. Do you know what that means? God can fix it. Today is Easter Sunday, and the resurrection of Jesus reminds us that God can repair what is broken. God can raise up what is cast down. He specializes in renewing what is old. He makes perfect that which falls below the standards of God's values. In short, God can fix it. As this day is inseparably linked to the days that came before, we remember the week that began with shouts of Hosanna on Palm Sunday and carried through to the night of the Last Supper and led to Jesus' arrest, trial, and crucifixion. It is an unmistakable reminder that God can fix all of that too. Through the brokenness and death of Holy Week, God raises us just as God raised Jesus to a truer, more fruitful life. God fixed it so that the cross, a horrible, cruel, and ugly instrument of execution and death, became a symbol of beauty, hope, and salvation. In fact, there is nothing that God cannot fix. Shouldn't that be the big takeaway from Easter? 
Death can no longer trump God's ability to redeem and restore. In a world broken by pandemics and politics, we need to be reminded that God can fix it. In fact, we've been holding on to that hope, that belief, for over a year now. And it's starting to feel like he might be doing just that. Today, as we remember the thousands across the world who are being baptized on this holy day, we remember our own baptisms. We know that God fixes things so that we can be buried with Christ in his death and raised to the new life of faith. Once we were dead in our sinfulness, but now God has fixed it so we can be alive in Christ. We can be alive to all the power and love and newness and possibility that is God. God fixes it so that we can know we are loved more than anything. We are so precious to him that he sent his one and only son. We are loved so much that we are worth dying for and nothing can change his love for us. God can fix our mortal bodies. He is the great physician, and we believe that he heals us, sometimes through medicine, sometimes through miracles. God also fixes it so that a spiritually dead person can find a new life of renewal and deeper commitment and inexpressible joy. Nothing is so low. Nothing is so drastic. Nothing is so hopeless. No pandemic is so long and no death is so final that it cannot be brought to life through the resurrecting power of God. Not only do we need to believe this, we who believe it need to proclaim it. We are surrounded by people who desperately need hope. We live among people who need someone to come along and say, I know someone who can fix your problem. Let me tell you about Jesus, right? Now, the more I think about it, my daughter was wrong when she said, God can fix it. She had her verb tense all wrong. The Easter truth is that now and for all time, God has fixed it. And that, my friends, is the good news of Easter. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Let's pray. Good and gentle and living God, long ago faithful women proclaimed the good news of Jesus' resurrection, and the world was changed forever. Teach us to keep faith with them, that our witness may be as bold, our love as deep, and our faith as true. Thank you for being the God who redeems and restores and repairs. Thank you for being the God who fixes things, who has fixed the broken things of life. Help us to believe. Help us to share. Help us to love. As the pandemic continues, on this day of life, we pray for those who are facing death. We pray for those battling COVID-19. We ask for your healing and your help and your protection. We are tired and worn out. Give us strength and wisdom to navigate these trying days. Give us hearts of compassion. Help us to care for and about the last, least, lost, and lonely. And now using the words debts and debtors, let us pray with boldness the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, thanks for joining me today. Now, your job this week is to love at least three people, but make sure at least one of them doesn't deserve it. Why? Because everyone needs love, and everyone needs to know that God loves them no matter what. Everyone needs to know that God has already fixed it, right? Don't let these trying and frustrating days rob you of your joy. With Jesus, we always, always, always have hope. Now receive these words of benediction. The Lord bless you and protect you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and grant you his peace. Amen. Amen.